Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Michael Ling. We recorded this in June at the Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp in Rodney, Michigan. Big thanks to Earful of Fiddle for having me out. You can visit their website at earfuloffiddle.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Banjo Newsletter. Banjo Newsletter has published old-time banjo content in every issue since its founding in 1973. Along with Dan Levinson's quarterly section, The Old Time Way, which consists of profiles, reviews, and tabs, Banjo Newsletter has three monthly old-time banjo columns. Recent players and builders they've covered include Frank Lee, Lucas Poole, Mark Olitsky, Noah Klein, Adam Hurt, Nora Brown, R.G. Hocutt, David Bragger, Rhiannon Giddens, Seth Swingle, and collector Jim Bullman. And Chris Cool, Jake Blunt, Allison DeGroot, and Ben Krakauer are all upcoming. Subscribers to either print or online editions also get online access to the last 11 years of back copies with tabs, accompanying sound files, and video links. All that can be found at banjonews.com or simply follow the link in the show notes. Now, while Get Up in the Cool does receive the occasional sponsorship, it's primarily funded through regular donations from its generous listeners. To everyone who donates to the show, thank you so much for making my work a little easier. To everyone else, if you want to help fund Get Up in the Cool and get some exclusive bonus content, follow the link in this episode's show notes that says support Get Up in the Cool on Patreon, or just Google Get Up in the Cool Patreon and choose a support level that works for you. I also want to thank Elderly Instruments in Lansing, Michigan for sharing Get Up in the Cool online with their customers and increasing the reach of the show. Next time you need an instrument upgrade or new music gear, visit their online store at elderly.com. Stick around after the interview, and I'll tell you how you can keep up with this week's guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with Micah Ling. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're at Ear Full of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp. How, so you're from this area, right? Yes, I'm from the southern part of the state, but yeah. you know, only less than two hours away from where we are right now. So, uh, how is this your first time? You've been here no, much, right? No, I've been here many times. I think I was here as a student oh cool the very first year 11 um, years ago yes oh great <laughs> yeah i think that's about that that tracks um yeah i was just you know i know this community pretty well because i was kind of, i grew up around these people and yeah. knew that they had started this cool thing and got kind of recruited by nick as a hey this will be fun just come along and and do it um nick garris and yeah, and then maybe name dropper. Well, I said Nick, and I didn't want to just be like Nick. It's Nick. like maybe that's worse. I don't know. Um, and I'm trying to be clear, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think this is my fourth year as an instructor. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I met you at Clifftop at my very first Clifftop. Yeah. When was that? I don't. I don't remember. It was like five or six years yeah, ago. Yeah. Maybe six. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, it's been a while now. But I don't think I... You haven't come since then, right? Mm, yeah, I have maybe... I think I've missed two or three in a row. But I was there a couple of times really? in between. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Just... <laughs> it's a big place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I need to get... We didn't get along. Yeah. It was done. <laughs> so you grew up playing track music, didn't you? I did, yeah. So yeah. Your dad plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I started playing cello at age seven in school orchestra programs. I didn't really have lessons. I just kind of joined it because the orchestra class was during recess and all my friends were in it and I was lonely. <laughs> my mom, that is so sweet. Isn't that cute? <laughs> I'm really personable. Um, my mom didn't want to listen to me practice violin or viola as a seven-year-old. Um, Interesting. So she said I could pick cello or bass and I picked cello, which I'm glad of because it's a little easier to transport. Um, yes. And my 
father has played old-time music as long as I was before I was born. Um, fiddle and guitar and mandolin mostly. And uh, around age 13 or so, uh, I joined his band, called, which is called Hawks and Owls String Band in Grand Rapids, because uh, I figured out that I didn't have to volunteer to get into festivals if I was playing. Yeah. So that was the the um, draw. <laughs> and so you were playing cello in that? I was playing cello in yeah, that band, cool. yeah. And I, he had a bunch of guitar, like note cards that had guitar chord, chord um, charts on it, and I was just kind of plucking the bass notes of those chords until yeah. I got bored with that, and then I started figuring out double stops with the blow a little bit until I yeah. got bored with that, and then I started playing melody lines and harmony lines and getting wilder and figuring yeah. out more interesting, um, like, supportive bow patterns and things like that. So cool. that's kind of the background. It sounds like your dad was, like, open-minded. Oh, yeah, and yeah. he still is. His band still plays, and he's always willing to, like, add a Bowron or, like, some, like, alien pipes or something to yeah, his cool. band. And, um, is that partially because, um, I mean, is he also from Michigan? Yeah, he was born in Chicago, but he moved here when he was, like, in middle school, I think. It, in general, I feel like I've met a lot of people in the Midwest, especially the northern Midwest, who are more want to uh, make musical syncretism mm -hmm. of different genres. Sure. Uh, because I guess it's like a in-between. Yeah, I think it's kind of the nature of the beast of, of who ended up here from yeah. um, people in the Upper Peninsula who came to work in the ore mines and copper and iron mines up there. And there's a lot of um, Scandinavian people and French Canadian people, native people. Um, living in those areas and then people who came up from Appalachia to work in the audio industry in Detroit and the you know southern yeah. chunk of the lower peninsula um, African-American there's a large blues tradition in Detroit and Motown obviously so um, you get a lot of these very seemingly disparate influences of people living in close proximity a lot of Polish there's pol polkas are big in, in Michigan for sure too mm. so yeah there's a lot cool so that, yeah, that's great that you had, like, a rich musical source mm -hmm. in your dad, but you also were able to engage with it kind of however yeah. you wanted. Yeah, definitely. And I've played in, you know, indie folk bands at different points, too, and folk rock bands and things like that. Um, and I, I left his band when I went to college, um, but was still playing music and playing trad stuff kind of on my own and with friends um but yeah i've, I've definitely i got bug yeah. um and i feel kind of in this maybe generation of of people whose parents were revivalists and yeah. like maybe aren't necessarily steeped in the tradition in the way that you think of someone who's from like east tennessee or west virginia or something like that right. where it was completely a uh i won't say singular tradition because that's not fair and distilling things yeah, in a way sure. that they shouldn't be but um, I think that there's an interesting, like, generation of us who... Of revival kids. Yeah, right. Kids of... And yeah. maybe we've dug uh, further back into the music to try to get away from sort of the right. flattening that can happen when a tradition is um, named or, or focused on or something. But, yeah, I I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know who else would identify that way. But you see, I don't know, people like maybe 
Raina Gellard or like Rafe Stephanie's daughter or something, you know, I don't know, spitballing names yeah, of people sure. who I know have parents of that generation. Um, so yeah, that's the long answer. <laughs> that's good. No, that's everything I needed. That was great. Uh, yeah, let's play another tune. Um, I'm still in G. Do you want to do another? Yeah, let's do another G, G tune. You can switch back and forth. I'm fast at tuning. Yeah, I'm. Well, I don't have to do. Yeah, I don't have yeah. to do anything. Yeah. Here. Um, I'm at I the mercy do... of your patience. So. Cool. Let's do that waltz then. Yeah. Um, so this is a waltz. It's called Betty and Beauty. I've been in Bloomington, Indiana for the last two years, uh, working on my master's degree in folklore down there, and I live. This, this last year I moved to the Prospect Hill neighborhood and I live a block away from Abby Layden and Sam Bartlett and maybe four blocks away from Gray Larson and Cindy Callett and they, the, the latter two have um, sessions one, once a month to play the tunes of Joe Dawson who's a Indiana fiddler who passed away a few years ago and they used to go over there every week and play tunes with him and have ice cream um, so they keep that alive by having a session so I was introduced to his music do they still right have on. ice cream at yes, the session ice cream oh and great that close out the night every time which is just lovely they have a lovely home and super wonderful hmm. to be able to spend time with them and I grew up listening to Metamora which was a band that Gray was in and I had no idea I like went to his house to play tunes I was like his name is so familiar and then I texted my dad and he was like yeah I know who that is <laughs> <laughs> awesome. um, so oh rainwater um so yeah this is a waltz that is named I, I don't know if i don't think joe wrote it i think it was just part of his repertoire and it was unnamed and this was eventually named betty and beauty after his workhorses yeah. um which gray said he assisted with that name um, yeah. <laughs> the suggestion of perhaps that would be a good name yeah um I love playing waltzes, especially on a cello and... Cellists like waltzes. It's just I've nice. never met a cello. I, don't I think, mean, yeah. come on now. Like, that low, low sound with the yeah. long bows, and you can take your time. We've got bigger space between our strings, so we don't have to move so quickly. Yeah. It's great. I mean, there are some fast waltzes, too, but it's, it just is nice. <laughs> so, yeah, this is, this is Betty Moody, and I'm super thankful to Gray and Cindy for teaching it to me, and... They've heard me perform it and didn't thumb their noses. Not that I think they would, because they're lovely <laughs> people. But and every time I go there, he's like, "I remember you like this one," and then we play it. So that's a nice, nice thing. Thank you. 
too, it's gone bad. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. What's all in right. there? Just, you know, notebooks. <laughs> well, there's just one. Non-waterproof things. Yeah, oh, boy. No, we're fine. Ah, <laughs> uh, the listeners at home can't tell, it is raining. It is raining. <laughs> it is very wet and muddy. <laughs> and, uh... Micah's banjo, which he's going to get out pretty soon, is covered in mud. It's okay, the cello's fine. <laughs> That's a more sensitive <laughs> instrument. <laughs> it looks worse, but mud. it's more delicate. Mm. Yeah, it'll be fine. When did you start playing banjo? Um, maybe three, three years ago, something like that. Four, maybe four. Not very long. Why, why did you start? Um... I kind of wanted something that was a little easier to sing and play at the same time. Um, I imagine it would be hard to sing and play with a cello. Yeah, and I do do it, but it's just not as intuitive or it's not as, uh, it's harder for me to just play a lot, like in a group setting, just be like, oh yeah, I'll just sing. I love to sing. I love to sing harmonies and it's not as easy to just kind of like yeah. plug right in while I'm also concentrating. There's something about the verticality of a cello that it makes, it's like so close to your face and close right. to your chest and like your sound box that I don't know it's hard for me to separate what my hands are doing from what my voice is doing yeah and it's a little easier also this has frets <laughs> yes, just, yes I mean it's a banjo so whatever insert banjo joke here but yeah <laughs> uh, the integration is a little easier to keep track of uh. um and yeah that was part of it and my partner works at elderly instruments um shameless plug and so I was I spent a lot of time there and was having fun trying out all kinds of banjos there and just yeah that was that. Right on. He found me a, a gem. So this version of Follow My Knees, you kind of mix a few different versions together, right? Yeah, this it's just a few. It's you know it's a classic like floating versey kind of yeah. kind of song and there's that wonderful. Uh, Raina Geller and Susie Gearing record called Starch and Iron that has a version of this on there. I believe everything good comes from that record in the world. Um, <laughs> and then there's also a version that the Mammals did on their Rock That Babe record, which um, I think came out around the time I was joining my dad's band. And I remember just being kind of get, when you're when you're seeing young people transforming the music that you're playing in yeah. different ways, adding percussion to it or um, things that just kind of pique your interest, and especially because I'm playing an instrument that people associate as being non-conventional in yeah. traditional music, which isn't true necessarily, right. but um, the... People have ideas. Yeah, and the, the sources that you can reach for tend to be doing something in, innovative with that instrument, and neither of those bands have cello in them, but it's just kind of what I was looking for when I was first getting into the music was people who weren't afraid to mess around a little bit and see what they could come up with, yeah. so... Um, this isn't necessarily an innovative version that I have, you know, put together, but it's fun. And who doesn't love some floating verses? Thank you. 
thousand lies, little girl. Told me ten thousand lies. You told me more lies when there's stars in the sky. Never get to heaven when you die, little girl. Never get to heaven when you The sweetest little judgy song. <laughs> the best story. Uh, you'll never go to heaven. You'll never go. <laughs> Feed my sheep and get out of here. So many little incels songs <laughs> in old time music. <laughs> uh, well, I like when you do it. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, sheep. <sighs> hmm. So I wanted to ask you some more uh, cello questions, mm -hmm. and this is something I try to ask most cellists, sure. uh, which is when you run into people with opinions mm -hmm. about cello, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, what is that like? Uh, to what extent do you change your playing mm -hmm. to make other people comfortable mm -hmm. and, or not? And um, yeah, what's your experience been like trying to break into this hyper-specific music with an instrument that, for the record, is precedent in old time music. Um, yeah, and yeah. Scottish music and all kinds of musical traditions. Yeah. yeah. But people um, feel some kind of way about it. They do feel some kind of way. Um, yeah, I, I guess in, to a certain extent, I was a little bit sheltered from that in my formative playing years yes. because I wasn't, you know, I was an early teenager and I wasn't leaving the state very often for music, so. People were excited because they knew me and they were yeah. like, oh, great, Micah's, you know, joining in and, like, we love her and we're glad that she is learning this music and that she and her friends are playing this music at festivals and being the wild young bucks, you know, running around yeah. late into the night. Um, like, at there's Michigan has some great traditional festivals like Wheatland Music mm -hmm. Festival and things like that that I grew up going to. And 
Um, so I had like a, a, enough of a grounding in understanding that there are communities that accept the instrument that yeah. I think I wasn't like terrified. But I also am like a person that understands that different people have different relationships to traditional music and that if I'm leaving my place and going to someone else's that I should be respectful of the way that they're approaching things yeah. if I want to have any kind of dialogue about what that music sounds like or what it can sound like. Um, and my friend Becky Hill uh, lived in Elkins, West Virginia for a while, so I spent a fair amount of time visiting her and got to hang out with that crew. That's cool and that you're friends with Becky Hill. Yeah, <laughs> She's yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we go way back. She used to dance when we were like in elementary school um, in my dad's band, like she and this oh, other cool. woman, Lorme Weingarts, they would have this little thing that they would, you know, twirl around. And she's a, Becky's a wonderful percussive dancer still, but she was real cute then. She wore fairy wings sometimes. And we weren't really very close then. We always joke that she thought I was over it and I thought she was overzealous, like as people, <laughs> which are still true facts about her yeah. personalities, but it like just meshes better. So yeah, she's. Yeah. She's one of my dearest friends, and, and um, yeah, I've been had a really wonderful time visiting her while she was living in Elkins and spending time with all the great musicians that live there. And um, so I think when I started going to places like Clifftop, I had a little bit of a familiar home base of people I had played with. Yeah, I'd been to Augusta, and I had um, I don't know, I, d I didn't feel like there was no spot for me to play with people who are like really ripping old-time musicians. Um, because I had done that with people who I felt safe with and who yeah. were really um, fun. And a, yeah, the core perspective for me about playing cello is that it's not an instrument that should sit on top of existing old-time music. It's an instrument that should sit underneath a melody and, under, and fit into a groove rather than creating a new one that's applied to a tune sure. or something. Yeah. And that's not the approach of all cellists and that's like fine. I don't know everyone can do what they yeah, want to yeah. do, but that's that's something that I look for in the sound that I can make with other people is if I can find a way to add like a rhythmic chordal texture if it's not a tune that I'm familiar with that matches what the fiddle bow is doing and what the guitar strum is doing in some sort of way that my instrument can fill a space that um, feels natural or something mm -hmm. rather than imposed. So that's that's my manifesto. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Do you uh, do you ever go to the the like water tower cello jam at Clifftop? I did go one time. Yeah. yeah, there were 11 there. It was great. Yeah. I loved it. It was just like Who's the what's the name of the man who hosts it? I can't remember. It was years ago that I went. Um but it was nice, and we played a lot of waltzes. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, there was, there was some sheet music there, too. Um, so, there, you know, people who are unfamiliar with learning through yeah. listening um, were able to play along, too. And, yeah, it, that was a nice situation because something I've found, especially at festivals, is that if there is a cello in a jam and another person comes up with one, they often won't join. Yeah. Because they feel like, oh... People are already pushing the limit with my having yeah. one. Like we couldn't have two. And I love playing with You know what I want to do? I want to end this jam. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. But it's you know if three, seventeen fiddles are in a jam, no one bats an eye. Yeah, totally. you know, or even like multiple banjos, they might like make a dumb joke or something. But like, yeah. it's fun to have. Yeah, just totally. But maybe it's because it's like people feel that way about a bass, so they feel that way about. You know, I don't right, know right. what the 
Um, or but there's so many different things you can do. Are, and, whereas on a base, you right. have to be really, true. really, this really good to do different this things. This is true. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Especially because people are coming from so many different trainings and backgrounds that yeah. they're really, it's hard to pinpoint like what, what HLO sound, you know, like what a person's going to sound like when they yeah. play. I mean, there are a lot of people coming out of Berkeley that tend to have a similar approach. Sure. Um, but even then, everyone's got a, got their own thing going on. So that's the call out. If you see me in a jam, <laughs> come over. Yeah, and you have a cello. Yeah, it's okay. Come be the second cello. It's Great. Safe. Yeah, it's, I always have fun doing that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we have... We have uh, a song. Yeah, another, we do. another banjo song. We have another banjo song. Yeah. Where is this song from? I think it's... This is one I, I used to play in my father's band, and I think he got it off an LP of a band called The Dillards. Uh-huh. Um, and he wrote the fourth verse, which is funny, because the third verse is about a city in Michigan, and he did not write that one. Yeah. Um, but it was I was just noodling on the banjo recently, and it kind of popped into my fingers, or I don't know what this <laughs> head and hand. Um, and I was like, man, that was a really good song i should work that up again so it's called old man at the mill or mill song um and i just it's a fun one to play that'd be fun to play with you which it is one two three four. the same old man working at the mill mill turns around and it's own cream well handy in the hopper and the other in the sack lady step forward and the gents fall back lady step forward and the gents fall back Get 
when she rides morning in the barnyard fields in the new fiddle in the evening by the light of the moon fiddle in the evening by the light of the moon the same old hand working at the mill mill turns around with its own free will hand in the hopper and the other in the sack lady step forward and the gents fall back lady step forward and the gents fall back <laughs> you did great for having to do that <laughs> Sometimes it makes your breath control better and you'd water. <laughs> we can do it again if you want to, I don't care. Uh musically or because of that? Either way. Oh no, I yeah, either it's mm -hmm. I, I thought that was fun. Yeah. That's good. Me too. What did you get your degree in? I just completed my master's in folklore from Indiana University. What what does a master's in folklore look like? Um so perhaps the common misconception is that I've been studying legends Stories. of the world sure, or sure. mythology or something like that. And there are folklorists who do study that. That is what we call ourselves, folklorists. Um, but my area of interest is material culture. So things that people make, um, foodways, vernacular architecture, things like that. Um, but specifically my interests are related to textiles and dress traditions. Oh, cool. Um, and the general focus would be like the United States and the upper, mid upper Midwest and Appalachia specifically, but also like Scandinavia and things like that. And I went to China last year and did some field work with um, the Dong uh, population in Sanjiang Autonomous County down there and uh, did some, yeah, embroidery and dress documentation for the American Folklore Society collaboration thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's broad reaching and people study all kinds of different things but it's it's a kind of discipline that's founded from um english and anthropology so there's a lot of ethnographic training and yeah. training on how to interview people <clears throat> and represent people as they represent people through their own voices rather than imposing your understanding of oh. who you think they are um, Ooh, we, i should talk to you <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to do but yeah it we is. get a lot of training and in, in field work and in you know research methodologies and and things like that and yeah um i had kind of been doing some public folklore work which is what we call kind of people who do things like museum curation and festival planning and work for state folk life programs around the country mm. um so it was nice to go to school and get more of the like institutional history and the theoretical grounding stuff that's harder to get while you're working. And I really enjoyed it and decided to keep going and get a PhD with a possible, I don't want to like announce a dissertation topic that I haven't like gotten approved. No, <laughs> called, like, but, called shot, baby. But, <laughs> but I have been thinking about writing about women's or female identified dress traditions at old time festivals and thinking about the ways that people transport home spaces into these yeah. like liminal week-long festivals so keep wait why why am i interested in that yes not why would one be but why are you because <laughs> I'm in, i'm i think in, that I, like thinking about identity in festival spaces because it's such an intersection of different people from different regions who are all coming together with this mm. with a similar interest but also are very much performing include being included or something like that performing being included like, i like I'm in the know. I know this tune. Yeah. I know that person. Okay. Like there's that, and I'm not criticizing that that's a wrong thing to do or anything. But the way that you establish yourself as someone that people want to yes. play tunes with or that they want to spend time with um, is really interesting to me in those spaces. 
Yeah. So. And specifically, dress dresses. Yeah. Are part not, of that. not necessarily like literal dresses, but clothing. Clothing. Apparel um, oh, that people choose good. to like. Do you dress the same way that you dress? At home, when you go to a festival, what does dressing up oh, look like when you're filthy and you've been, yes. you know, staying up really late? Um, and Thank how, you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's, that's confusing. Um, but it, it, it is related to dresses, and there's elements hmm. that I'm really interested in about, like, um, do you want me to, like, full jargon? Like, yes, yes, <laughs> like jargon. Historical <laughs> imagination, meaning the way that we, in our minds, think that people dressed when they perform this music, and does that impact the way that we present ourselves when we perform this music. Yes. Um, because there are surviving photographs and, and things like that of people in, in certain types of clothing that we might associate. Sure. And perhaps how founded are those things? Is there a way to even know that? Because what you have is what you have. Right. You, know, you don't have the record of something that wasn't recorded. But there's um, obviously like examples of like those source fiddlers and things that they wore that are just like totally unique like mm -hmm. i mean tommy jarell and his like headband thing right. that he's yeah, wearing totally or totally jim bowl's shirts yeah yeah there's <laughs> tons of examples and there's also um like material so uh, historical imagination and also material imagination so um based on content of clothing worn in songs themselves like how does that manifest in the way that we choose like all dressed up in calico how many times is that line yes in there and we wear calico dresses at these festivals sometimes and so i'm just interested in how that can all play out and how there's also broader implications like how does it relate to gender identity and how does yeah. it relate to yeah like i said regional differences or um you wow, know. yeah, that's a that's a great I mean you got my like wheels turning <laughs> thinking about this because it's fun it to is talk about. so important yeah. like um to people the way that they present themselves. It yeah. is totally. I remember I went to Clifftop with someone for the first time for their first time recently mm -hmm. and I got to drive there with him mm -hmm. and drive back with him mm -hmm. and uh he was very excited going there and then on the way back he was sort of um absolutely crushed by the social anxiety of a place like sure. Clifftop. It's a lot. Um, and and he, being in a bigger uh, pond mm -hmm. and no longer being as big of a fish. Mm -hmm. And um, part of what he like processed to me was the, um, the sort of coating of the dress mm -hmm. um, of like and feeling out of place. He's yeah. like, man, all these people are like wearing these cool flannels and these trucker hats and it's like not right. me. And am I, do I belong here? Right. It's hard. It, it, is, yeah. it is hard because, especially because they're, as the, as they grow in, in number, there's more people who have never been there for the first yes. time. And, and like, how distilled is the identity of a person who go like, what does a person who goes to this festival look like? And what I just microcosm, realized that I'm yeah, wearing a flannel and a trucker out, hat. I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> I don't know you like that. I'm not about to call you <laughs> Everyone, Cameron is wearing <laughs> jeans, lace-up boots. Yeah. Yeah. And a festival trucker hat, nonetheless. Yeah. It's just, it's great. Yeah. I belong here. You, do, you totally belong here. And yeah, I'm wearing a floral skirt and denim shirt, so, you know, yeah. I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, totally. Too. Um, but, yeah, I think that I've been really interested in that. And when I first started grad school, I did a little paper that was specifically about, like, it was like, well, how could I design a museum exhibit that could feature garments that would be related to those from 
ballads and, and songs. And, yeah. and so I like put a Facebook post and I had like 60 comments or something of everyone just being like, oh, this song, this song, this has a good one, this yeah. has a good one. And so it is something that people think about a lot. Like a Josio. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. There's, Isn't that a coat yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. it's like something military or something. I don't remember. But that I think that was one. Or like green mantles come up a lot. And like what colors are associated with what type of garment and what potential symbolism does that hold for like wealth or poverty or, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of cross-dressing songs, you know, so. Are there a lot of cross-dressing songs? Yeah, but, but it's more like... It's more often like a person hiding and disguising their gender, like to get on a ship, like those kind oh, of yeah. like. Oh yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, it's it's fun to dig into that stuff, and I've been excited about that possibility. Um, yeah, and I don't mean to exclude the male-identified population from it, yes. but it's it is easier to take a subset, and especially because that is the way I ident- I identify. It's easier to sure maybe understand the embodied experience of that especially in the context of a like traditionally sort of male dominated Mm -hmm. um not necessarily in in numbers but Mm -hmm. in in uh attitude attitude and in yeah yeah so like how are women dressing sure matters right yeah right and it's you know there's there's the like the simplified version which i've said like the kind of like what is dressing up and, and that kind of stuff. But then that's what is exciting is that it gets you at these deeper questions about belonging and, and individual and group identity and who are you aligning yourself with and who are you not aligning yourself with, who is being excluded in these spaces because of the way that they are marking themselves or not. It's fun. We're so, all just a bunch of sneeches. Yeah. <laughs> with stars upon ours. <laughs> oh, man. That is so cool. I, I very much want you to get your doctorate and have that be your dissertation so I can read it. <laughs> and so that, like, yeah, our community can, like, start, like, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying it. to, like, make it be a reckoning or something like that. <laughs> it's not. It's more just fascinating to me but you know it's cool if things can have a social impact in some way too and it it can be like empowering to people to like to name something and to talk about Mm -hmm. it because then you can decide to what extent you want it to have power over you too totally totally yeah yeah and there there are plenty of people who are bucking the expected norms of what x person should wear yeah so that's definitely happening too and it would be interesting to look into those kind of subversions of the expectation yeah, it's fun. I could talk about it forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have you back on. Yeah, yeah. later. <laughs> Once on. you write your dissertation, yeah. See you please. In five I'm years. serious. Okay. I hope to still be deal. doing it. There. The show. That's yeah. Done deal. Yeah, I'll have to learn some more tunes. <laughs> I'll just no. I'll just only do songs that have textiles in them. How about that? That's so great. That'll be great. Or tunes that are named after clothing. Oh my god. I'm impatient. Episodes. So much potential. It's great. It's back to the good old days of themed episodes. That was the idea at the beginning. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dropped that one a long time ago. Yeah, it's probably easier to navigate without that. So we have one tune left. Uh, Thanks for, I know you're like here to work. So thanks for giving me, working a little harder, (laughs) a little longer. No, it's great fun. I'm listen to this a lot oh cool good fun to be on yeah i've been asking you to be on ever since i first started it 
Get out of here. Did, didn't have a night? No. I'm pretty sure that I have. I don't think so. I, well, I'm using my phone to record, but I'm pretty sure if I look back in our Facebook message That would be really history. bad. Because you asked me, and I sent you a message response that said, uh, yeah. Which I realized, because we haven't spent much time together, it probably sounded, like, really casual. But it was, like, it was my way of being, like, oh, duh, of course I want to do that. Oh, that's nice. Fun. And then I never clarified that <laughs> until right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See you there. <laughs> I'll be around. <laughs> Whatever, if we get around. Yeah, maybe. Okay, cool. Well, that's really nice. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. No, it's, it's great, especially because we all, all of us are so far apart, you know, yeah. in this community from each other during the colder months, especially. And so it's a nice way to check in with how people are doing in their, yeah. <laughs> in their scenes. Well, enough about the get up in the cool. Everyone knows about <laughs> it already because they're listening to it right now. So, but what I do want to talk about. Is you have an album. I do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I made that in 2014. Yeah, it's like right after I... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yes, I made this in 2014. Just, um, I didn't really tour it much. It was more like I wanted to create a literal record of yes. whatever. What yes. I was liking at the time. And um, to just try that process out and see what it's like to make a record. And did a Kickstarter and that whole thing. And that was super fun and was able to rally a bunch of my favorite Michigan musicians. Yeah, who's Michigan all on it? is pretty rich that way. And that's um, Laurel Primo and Michael Beauchamp of the band Great. Red Tail Ring are both on it. Yeah, Laurel plays fiddle and sings, and Michael Beauchamp plays um, guitar. And my friend Eli Strauss plays banjo on it. Um, he is, we'll give him an honorary Michigander badge because he's been living in Lansing for a number of years doing his PhD. Um, and... Sam Cooper also sings and plays fiddle. She's great. She's in the band Bow Hunter with Michael and Laurel um, and another musician named Sam Herman. That's a square dance band. Um, it was produced by Chris Bathgate, who is uh, a guy I've been in his kind of indie rock band, folk rock, whatever, genre bent, whatever. I don't know what to call that. Um, but he plays piano on the record and uh, just one track and is a great friend and produced it. Hmm. And then Becky Hill dances on it. Oh, cool. Nick Garris dances on it and plays bazooki and sings on track. Um, and my partner, Michael Earlywine, plays mandolin on a track. And uh, my friend John Hansen also helped with some of the production stuff. And I did some of that. And he Heavy yeah. hitters. Yeah. yeah. It's a rich state for that. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people I could have tapped and who my friend Molly McBride taught me the first tune oh, yeah. in this podcast episode and so hopefully future guest of the show yeah you should have Jeff's her. been like emailing me every couple months hey when are you gonna have molly on molly <laughs> is great and yeah. she has opinions that i love great <laughs> and we, yeah we both work um for the Mich michigan state folklife program together and have done a lot of um festival programming and mm. stuff like that together in the state and she's she's really wonderful um, so, so yeah, that, where do people buy that? <clears throat> it's on. It's kind of hard to find. It's on, oh no! It's on Bandcamp. You can get okay, it there. Um, and the link in the show notes is it. the answer. Yeah, then. It's yeah. Bandcamp. There will and be a link I have that a works. Facebook page and some other projects that I work like play with in, in Bloomington. Um, so people can like like and follow. Yeah, that. you can yeah. find that or, or just my own name on Instagram. But it's mostly just pictures of like loaves of bread and like mm. textiles. <laughs> So my favorite things. Like, like museum nerd things and things yeah. like that. Like melt, grad school brain meltdowns and, you know. Yeah. 
bad typos that I've done while writing papers, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> relatable content. <laughs> yeah. Uh, should we play this Kingdom Come? Yeah, let's play this Kingdom Come. Well, let me get to D. Okay. <clears throat> I've made it to D. Okay. Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come. <laughs> You can download Micah's album Kingdom Come on her Bandcamp page. I included a link in the show notes, so go get it. Thanks again to Banjo Newsletter for sponsoring this episode. You can visit their website at banjonews.com. And thanks to Elderly Instruments for sharing the show on social media. You can visit their online store at elderly.com. Thanks again to Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp for having me out to record their instructors. If you're in the Midwest or can get to Michigan next June, you should seriously consider coming next year. Visit their website at earfuloffiddle.com. If you want to hang out with me twice a week, 
I have another podcast called Think Outside the Box Set. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. That's all for now, friends. Thank you for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.